Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now here's your host, Randy Boyd. Greetings, and thank you for joining us on this episode of Healing Courageously. On this episode, we are going to be talking about the importance of fatherhood. The importance of fatherhood. This is part one of the four-part series. To me, uh, this is a very important subject. I had an absentee father. Actually, my father died when I was 12 years old. He was a great man. Before he passed away, he was a great father to me. But then the, the man that became my stepfather was anything but a father. And um, it's always been on my mind or it's been in my heart, I, sh- I should say, the subject of fatherhood and the absentee fathers. And it, through a lot of the um, uh, workshops I've been through in the past, a lot of the training, John Lee, John uh, Bradshaw, uh, Alan Berger, and uh, many others, like for some reason, my, uh, Dan Griffin, right? Fatherhood is, is, is a big deal and plays a huge part in the success of men. Um, and when I say the success of men, I don't mean the financial success. I mean the success as a father, the success as a, um, as a husband, the success, the success as a contributing member uh, to society. Now, the one thing that I know for sure, and we do some workshops on this, is that everything is is um, generational. So we only do what we were taught by our fathers. You only did what they were taught by their fathers. You only did what was taught by their fathers. Does that mean that it was right? No. Did they do the best they could do with what they had? Absolutely true. Um, but recently, I, I've been listening to a few different people. Um, Miles Monroe is one of them. A lot of what I'm going to talk about today comes from him. And it just it really, it's everything that I believe, and it was put in a way that um, I could understand it. And I know that I've sent, sent some of this to a couple of the, the men that I work with, and it really um, opened up a Pandora, Pandora's box, if you will, to their life. And they were able to see a lot more things. So... Um, you know, as for like I say, for me, it was my father died when I was 12 years old, and then the man that was to become my stepfather and did become my stepfather began sexually, physically, emotionally, spiritually abusing me. So, what I learned about what I what I learned about men, and he also abused my mother very very much. So, so what I learned about men is is that they're the king, and um, when you get angry, you you rage and. How do you treat women when they don't do what you want them to do? You yell, scream, and belittle them and beat them, and all that's wrong. And I know I'm not the only one out there that's that's felt this way, and I, and I know there's a lot of people that haven't had to deal with this. I think to some degree, everybody has to deal with what I'm going to talk about uh, in this first episode, right? So let's start out with Ezekiel 18.2. What do people mean by quoting this proverb about the land of Israel? The parents eat sour grapes, 
and the children's teeth are set on edge. The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. In other words, what this is saying, the present generation is punished for the offensive offenses committed by their forefathers. And they were talking to the tribes of Israel when, when, when they, Ezekiel wrote this. And so it's like the general, you know, it'll be the, 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 whatever our parents, whatever our fathers do, we suffer the consequences as our children. And it just goes down and down and down the generation. You know, and, and a lot of it you can look at, um, for example, a lot of, a lot of people that are in jail, their, their fathers were in jail. I have one story of a guy that I mentored for several years, and he was a great guy, and he loves me, and he, he got out of prison. He had a life of, of prisonhood, and um, when he got out, he got sober. He got, he got, he's doing great. He's been sober now, I think, for 16 or 17 years, and his son followed right in his footsteps of the prison, and he's, as far as I know, he last time I talked to this, this person, um, his son was in prison on, with his third strike. And his dad said, look at son, it's not the right way to go. He goes, I know, but, you know, dad, you did it. So there's got to be something to it. So we have to be careful because our children are always watching us. You know, you know if you want to know why you were hurting so bad, someone before you, ha- uh, someone before you has partaken of bad fruit, and it's not your mother. It's not your mother. It starts somewhere back in your, with your grandfather, your great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather. Seven generational curse is what it's called. The fathers, the father-fathers, father or father's father-father ate something, enjoyed. He, they enjoyed, but the pain was felt by generations that followed. Something along the line, our great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfathers, or anywhere in between now and then, ate something that they enjoyed. And by I mean eating, I mean they partook in alcohol. They, 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 they dove into alcoholism and that, that, that gene, that RNA, that DNA got passed down to you. They partook in gambling. They partook in pornography. You know, all these things are passed down from the father. I mean, a lot of the guys I work with with pornography issues. And even some of the girls with pornography issues, they learned it from their parents, directly or indirectly. And then you even have the prostitution. And it's all because our fathers are hurt. Our fathers partook, his fathers partook, the father of the father of the father partook. I hope you can get the grasp of this. It's the seven generations, and we pay the price for it. It doesn't mean we have to continue living that way at all. Okay. In Exodus 10, 12, it tells us to honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. So, you know, what exactly is honor? Okay. Honor your mother and your father. And when I look at that, it's pretty hard to honor somebody that's, that's doing unhonorable and very disrespectful things to you, as it was, you know, for me growing up. You know, it's like when you're a kid, you hear those words, it's like, oh, man, no matter what, I got to honor my mother and my father and blah, 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 you know. And it kind of puts a fear of God in us. Well, the reality is, is that 
if people are not are doing unhonorable, unhonorable things to us, disrespectful things to us, can we really honor, disrespect them? I mean, and, and respect them? So here's what the Cambridge English Dictionary says about honor. Honor means the great respect for someone or the feeling of pride and pleasure resulting when respect is shown to you. Great respect for someone or the feeling, I like this, the feeling of pride and pleasure resulting when respect is shown to you. Okay? It's a quality that combines respect, being proud, and honesty. That's, that's, that's the definition of honor. And I can tell you that my stepfather and my mother, in no way, and, and I know these are big words, in no way displayed any of those to, to me as a, as a teenager, child growing up in any way, shape, or form. So it's pretty hard. So let's go on to, um, let's talk about respect for a minute. So what is respect? According to the, the Cambridge English Dictionary, again, it's uh, admiration felt or shown for someone or something that you believe has good ideas or qualities. Say it again, admiration felt or shown for someone or something that you believe has good ideas or qualities. Again, when it comes to respect, my mother, my stepmother, my, my mother and my stepfather, and there's a lot of people in this world that I can't respect because they're not displaying none of this to me, right? Um, good ideas or qualities. You know, a lot of times I respected the wrong people. What I thought were good qualities were actually ones that got me in a lot of trouble. And then finally, we'll go to the word obey, okay? And obey biblically means to, to hear and respond appropriately, okay? To obey means we're just going to hear what they have to say and we're going we're to respond appropriately. Or to do what you are told or expected to do according to someone in authority or a rule or a law. Now, if I don't see it being very possible, and I know I certainly couldn't do it, of that if you, how can you obey somebody that you don't respect or honor? And I know that gets a lot of people in trouble as kids. So, you know, what happened was, as, as I got older and doing my work, like with my mother and my stepfather, um, you know, they, all I know is they did the best they could do. So I'm just going to stick with honor your father and your mother. So how did I honor my father, my mother, and my stepfather? First of all, he wasn't my father. He was my stepfather. He stepped in to raise me, and it wasn't a very good job. And I'm just speaking truth. But So still, how do I honor him? Well, my stepfather I never saw again. And, and my mother I pretty much didn't see either. So here's how I honored him from a distance. I quit assassinating their character. I quit disrespecting them when I talked about them. Do I talk about them today? I have to because it's part of my story. But I no longer assassinate their character. They were both very sick themselves. They had their own issues. Hurt people hurt people. They've both been fully forgiven. So that's how I honor them today. From a distance. Okay? So I, I think that's that's something that we really, really need to... Um, to think hard about, because I think we tell our kids, you know, too often, you got to honor your mother and your father. Well, my father's just a drunk, and all he does is go out and with other women all the time. How do you want me to honor him? Well, your father just, you know, he's got issues. Yeah, he's got issues, but it's, I wouldn't, you can't honor somebody like that as a father 
All right? You just, you just can't do that or, or respect them. You know, I guess he, I guess you have to respect to the to the degree that he is your father, and that you have to kind of do what they're what you're told as a child. I'm not going to argue that point, but you might want to think about how you're acting as a father when you're talking to your children and telling them what to do. Ephesians six two through three again says, "Honor your father and mother," which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Okay? Oh, again, there's a lot that goes into that. A lot of people just take the face value of it. It's hard when you're being abused, uh, when, you're, when you're being beaten, when you're being emotionally, physically, sexual, whatever that is. You're not being taken care of when you're neglected. It's really hard to honor People that are doing that, and I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just the truth sayer, and, and it's the honest God truth. I'm not, I'm not disobeying the command of God because the day I do honor Him, right? But it's because I've been, I've had some mentors that have helped me and guided me to that process. So they say that long life is therefore attached to honoring fathers, which in turn means to dishonor equals more death. So what's saying is to honor. And, and again, again, the honor fathers, which in turn equal, uh, means to dishonor equals more death. So again, we have to take stuff, and, and, and I hear it, and people go around, you're changing scripture. No, I'm not. I'm, 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 I'm really not. I've talked to my mentor about this, and it, it's the way it is. You know, if I was at this point in time as an adult, like, you know, for 38 years, in those 38 years that I was running a gun and playing a victim, dishonoring my mother and my stepfather, yeah, that's going to equal more death for me. And that's exactly what it did. I was dying emotionally, to be honest with you, emotionally and spiritually. But when I got to the point of forgiveness and honoring them, right, now I I'm happy. I don't have that weight on my shoulders anymore. So you've got to... It's really important to get a good a good mentor, counselor, coach that can really sit down with you and diagnose. You know, not diagnose, but um, you know, help you work through these processes. Because I, I've been there. Don't tell me I got to honor them. They did terrible things to me, right? Well, yeah, I, I hear you. I understand. But what was done to them? You know, just maybe the problem here is, or, or maybe this is the problem behind this number, that maybe this is why 82% of men in prison come from fatherless homes. Now, when I say fatherless, I'm going to put this right on the first one. That we all have fathers. And if you want to even go a little bit more radical, sperm donors. Do we all have parents? All right. Our fathers, a lot of times, are absentee. Right. Maybe maybe they're there. Maybe they're working up the, the corporate ladder, right? But you never see them. And I've ran across so many people that I men that I've talked to that that's what happens with their fathers, and it drives them. It's just driven them into the disease of alcoholism because their dad's never there, and and, and they don't they don't learn how to be a man. They they don't understand why isn't dad home? What's wrong with me? You know, there's a lot that that not having a father present in your life. And this isn't to say that fathers, you know, can't work and climb the corporate ladder. I had a business out here for 20 years. 
My family never suffered. I mean, never suffered. And it was a, it was a very successful business. But it was successful because I made my family first and they supported me. Therefore, if I had to work, you know, overtime, not overtime, but had to work late one night or whatever, they were okay with it because the other time they, they knew that I was always be there for them. I always, I was always, sorry, I always was at my kids' ball games, soccer games, whatever it was. I never missed one because they're my children. It was important for me to be there. Now, I had other issues, but I was there. Okay. And just maybe our crime can be correlated with the absence of fathers in people's lives. Think about that one. But, you know, and, and you got, I don't like getting political, but you got Antifa saying we got to destroy the nuclear family. Well, it's already destroyed in a lot of the black communities. And believe me, I'm not racist at all. I love, I want those, those black communities. I wish the fathers were there for them. I wish we could do more as a society for the families, to bring them up, to show them that, that they deserve to have everything that everybody else has. But they have to work for it just like we do. So what is a father? What is a father? Dad, daddy, pop, papa, pa, and father. Many times, but, that, but uh, there's many names for a father, but the job still remains the same. The term fathering means to treat with protective care. So it's a father. You treat your children with protective care. It means being involved with your children, behaving responsibly with your children, being emotionally engaged with your children, physically available, providing financial support, and having influence in child-raising decisions. Being involved with your children's life. I use this example all the time. It's classic. It's like, you know, Bobby comes home from school and he's sitting in his room and he's just like crushed, right? And and when his dad gets home, his dad walks in there and, and his mom and, hey, Bobby, what's going on, man? What happened? You're, you've been in here since you got home from school and, and, man, you're sad. You've been crying. What's going on? Hey, remember Sally that I've been dating for the last two years? Yeah, she was a great girl. We thought you and her were going to be it for the rest of your life. Yeah, well, she broke up with me today, Mom, Dad. Really? Well, don't worry about that. There's plenty of fish in the sea. Move on. You'll find somebody else that's even better than her. She probably was that wasn't the right one for you. That's a typical answer. Negating the child's feelings. How about hey? Excuse me, S- Sally, the one that you've been dating for so long that. You know, you guys were like doing everything together and we thought that was it. You, you know, the two of you were it. Man, son, that's got to be crushing on you. You know, I, I had the same thing happen to me when I was in, in high school. Man, and it just absolutely crushed me. So, son, just, just know that we're going to be here for you. And it's going to be painful. That's okay. But you'll work through it. Mom and, Mom and Dad will be here. You know, we'll both be here for you if you want to talk about it. That's being involved with your child. Be, get involved with your children's emotions. Get, get involved with their sports. You don't necessarily have to coach, but be there and support them. Don't tell them what they did wrong. Point out the good points. And then a few things, and then something, if you saw something they could correct, then, then point out the correction. Give them a nice critique, but start out with all the positive they did. 
and then go, hey, man, maybe, you know, I saw this one, one play you made in the outfield, and I know you ran hard, you made a dive for the catch, and, you know, and you dropped the ball. I wonder if we, if you just would have taken a different angle on that. Maybe you could have got it, you know, you would have caught the ball and it would have stayed in your mid. You know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. But, but you know, send that home run you hit in that last inning to win the game, which is absolutely crucial. It was brutal. Congratulations. I'm really proud on you. We have to be there to support our children. Fathers are they're a source or provider, they're a nourisher, they're, they're a progenitor, they're a protector, they're a founder, and they're an author. They are the foundation of a home. They are the foundation of a children's life, of a child's life. They're a source for them. They're not, not just a financial source, they're a source of wisdom for them. They're a nourisher, they emotionally nourish them. Nourish them. So what's happening is we're, we're suffering from the lack, from the absence of father's morals. So here's another aspect of this. Women, women are the greatest sufferers of lack of fathers. Women are the greatest sufferers of a lack of fathers. Women suffer twice. Women suffer twice. One, if they didn't have a good father, right? Two, if they marry a man who did not have a good father. So they didn't have a good father. They they didn't have somebody there to show them how to um, work through issues, how to be treated. And if they marry a man who did not have a good father, they're going to marry a man that might mean... I mean, I know what happened to me, my wife, that, you know, we walk into these marriages and we're happy, man, we're in love, this woman's going to, you know, change my world. And then because we were never taught how to work through issues in a marriage, it can get real ugly really fast. So women suffer just as much as men and boys do. The father model for all men is this. The greatest crisis for men is the absence of fatherhood role models. So what do we do if we don't have a fatherhood role model? Who do we turn to? A lot of people turn to the streets, to the gangs. I mean, I've talked to gang members, and that's exactly what it is. Dad ain't around. He don't care. So they, their, 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 their gang is their family. The gang's got their back, Right? That's their father figure. Each of them, they, they look up to the older members of the gang. A man cannot deliver what he never had. Again, if, if, if dad's not there to show him what it's like to be a man, what, what, it's like, what it's like to get up every morning and go to work all day long and then come home at the end of the day and be with the family. If, 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 if a man wasn't shown how to, um, to treat his wife or to treat his sister or how to treat women, He's going to treat him like just exactly like his father treated him. I guarantee it. There's, there's no question in my mind. It happens all the time. And women, women demand from men what they cannot give because they do not give it from their, they do not get it from their father. So women are always demanding stuff from us men. I mean, I've been married for 37 years, and the man, the man, he might be a little harsh word, but 
They, they are. They're, they're, they're demanding. They need stuff from us constantly, right? And it's just this natural stuff for a woman to need uh, from a husband. But if we weren't given that gift, if we weren't given the knowledge of, to fulfill that woman's needs, we're not going to be able to fulfill it. We just, it's, it's, we don't know how to. And so we have to let our guard down as men, almost, when, when we get married. Okay, how am I going to do this? What do I got to do? I, I don't know. My wife's getting mad at me because I never listened to her. She, she's talking to me. She wants this. She's demanding this, demanding that. I don't know what to do. So I just drown myself in alcohol, and I go down to the bar with the boys, shoot some pool, go away, whatever. No, it's all because of a lack of a father that wasn't there to show the, the sons what it's like to be a father. What do you do if you do not have a good fatherly, earthly father? So what do we do if we do not have a, a, a good earthly father? And then I'm going to read this. I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to break something down for you that's really important. But in Matthew 5, 48, it tells us, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So your heavenly Father can then be your Father. You know, and when I got back in the church after a 38-year absence, I sat down with our Messianic rabbi, and we were talking, and he says, Well, you didn't have a Father, but now your Father in heaven can be your Father. And I, and I looked, I didn't say nothing to him, and I walked out, and I go, what is he talking about? I don't need, I need a father right here on earth. But here's the, here's the, here's the deeper issue with what he said. And what he said is, okay, I mean, it's, it's like, yeah, I have that father now, right? and I talk to him a lot, but I still need, I wish my real father was alive. But here's the issue that, that arises, and it arises a lot, is that, so you, you tell me, I'm coming in, and you tell me that, all I got to do is accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and all my sins will be forgiven. All my problems are going to be taken care of, and all my needs will be met. And I'll be loved unconditionally, no matter what. That's what you're telling me. But yet, you want me to believe that, but yet I have a father right here on earth that did none of that. That father right here on earth never forgave me. That father right here on earth didn't love me. That father on earth down here disrespected me. He didn't do nothing. So I got a father right here, the one physical father that I can see that didn't fulfill any of that. And you're telling me this unseen entity up here somewhere in the sky is going to do that for me? Yeah, he is. But that's a hard thing for men to get over and women. I've talked to several people, and that's exactly where they're at. So fathers, we're doing, by not being a father, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. I understand that. We don't have to be perfect. But we got to do a lot better job than what we've been doing right now. I can tell you that right now, a lot better job. It's important that the men and boys that might be listening to this today realize the impact and how important they are to the national development to our national development having healthy men having healthy fathers raise healthy children is such an important impact for our national development you see it right now in the world 
a lot of entitlement. A lot of kids that just sit there with their hands out. They don't have to work. It's, it's everywhere. That's the truth of the matter. Why? Where's your father? Probably too busy working, trying to make millions. We've lost the art of fatherhood in this world. If you didn't have a good father, a good role model in the home, or a good role model in the home, and this is for both men and women, Jesus says your answer to the problem is to use God and his fathering of his son, Jesus, as your perfect model, and be like him, and be like him. So I'm going to end it right there with part one. Join me next week with part two. We'll continue on this journey. If you want to know more about what I do, you can check out my website at CourageousHealers.org, ChangeYourLifeStoryNow.com, my life coaching website. You can also get my books, Healing the Wounded Child Within, on Amazon. It's available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible. You can also get my 30-day devotional, The Wholeness. That's available on Amazon as well in in Kindle and uh, paperback. And then my workbook, The 7-Day Challenge. So I look forward to talking to you all next week. Until then, everybody be blessed. Thank you. This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does. <laughs>